Welcome to the Winter Maintenance Podcast, Episode 10, The St. Louis Ice Storm with Owen Hassan. I'm your host, Dwayne Collin. Well, it's winter. Here in St. Louis, winter usually doesn't start so early and with so much gusto as it has this year. I think Mother Nature was testing our sense of humor with temperatures in the 60s one day and freezing rain, sleet, and snow the next. This storm made national media, so you may have heard about it. And since it was in my backyard, I thought it would be interesting to learn how Missouri DOT attacked it. Owen Hassan is a Missouri DOT District 6 maintenance superintendent. District 6 is basically the St. Louis metropolitan area and comprised of the city of St. Louis and four counties to the west and south. After Owen had a chance to catch his breath after the storm, I talked with him at the MoDOT District 6 office to get his take on the storm. Owen, thanks for taking the time to be with us and talk about this storm you had here a couple weeks ago. You're very welcome. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share our events. Tell us about that storm that went through St. Louis on the 30th of November and December 1st. It was kind of an odd storm, actually. The The days before the storm, it was in the six, in 60 degrees or so here in the St. Louis area, and we had a lot of rain coming through there. We knew the storm was going to come in, or at least that was forecasted to come in, in a little bit as uh, freezing rain, sleet, and then eventually changing to all snow. So we knew Mother Nature was going to throw everything at us. But to prepare for that storm was a little bit different. We really can't put the brine down or put your rock salt out because the rain was going to wash it around, especially on the high-speed highways. So we were staffed up and ready for it and just basically waiting for that turnover time for the rain to start switching over to freezing rain or to sleet to see things happening. We knew the uh, storm was traveling across the uh, state of Missouri from uh, west to east, and we were prepared for it. But actually, it took about 15 to 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, the road started tightening up. The temperatures just dropped very quickly on us. That rain quickly turned over to sleet and started up icing up the roads very quickly. Our crews responded. We have a little over 230 trucks in the St. Louis area that respond out there on our roads, and we're trying to treat a little over 6,400 lane miles here in the St. Louis area. We went out there and started putting material down, typically rock salt with uh, uh, salt brine added onto it as we're sending all the spreaders out there. It wasn't nearly cold enough at the time to put any calcium down, and the accumulations just started quickly. The uh, the sleet started piling up, and then after the sleet came in, freezing rain seemed to dump on top of that and just fuse everything together, bind it to the road, and then on top of that, the storm then turned over to snow, and then they threw another four inches, typically four inches of snow on top of uh, four inches of ice that fell the uh, the previous 12 hours, so it was quite a challenge to tackle that storm. What equipment and chemicals did you use? Uh, you said you didn't do any pretreatment, so uh, during major precipitation events, what kind of chemical and equipment did you use? Typically, our main forces are, are the plow trucks, and we have uh, the majority are single axle uh, plow trucks, and we also have tandem axles, and we use those. Uh, with salt spreaders on there, uh, V-box spreaders to put our salt out there. We were using salt with salt, salt brine to uh, pre-wet the material as it fell out onto the road. And then our plows also, we used 12 and typically 14-foot inch, uh, 14 foot plows to uh, plow the material off to the side. Problem was we were putting the plows down and we were plowing off the snow, and once you cut through the snow, you still had that layer of ice to burn through. 
as the storm progressed, the temperatures dropped, and the salt brine was no longer as effective as, as it was when it was up in the uh, upper 20s. So we did have to switch over to calcium and start burning through a lot of the uh, salt with the uh, calcium and, and uh, rock salt down on the ground. So that's pretty much the basic tools we were using were the trucks, the calcium, um, when it dropped down the cold and some salt brine additives. Also, we had a lot of motor graders out there where we had to put uh, chains on the graders just to get to some of our back roads, and we also used a tow plow. Uh, is that liquid calcium you were using, or do you use pelletized calcium? Well, uh, typically we use uh, liquid calcium. There's very few sheds across the state that still use uh, the pellet calcium. There's a few in here, but in the St. Louis area, we just use liquid calcium. We load them into the saddle tanks alongside the truck and then spray that out through the same means we spray the brine out onto the uh, salt. I had heard that because of the thickness of that sleet and then that freezing rain that you were damaging equipment. Was there, was there anything to that? Damaging equipment, is, is that's typical during any storm. Once the snow and ice starts building up, you're going to run into expansion joints on bridges. Uh, people will hit uh, islands and break the plows. They'll just break the ears, the, the metal brackets on the plows off, and then you have to bring them back to the building to weld them back up. Uh, typical. That's a typical problem through the storm. We did The ice was a little bit more difficult to eat through and uh, to, to burn through, and we did have uh, a few of our own trucks sliding off the road, so that made, that made it even more of a challenge trying to get our own equipment off the road. But uh, as, any, as any building supervisor knows, once your equipment starts going down, it takes uh, quite a bit of support help to, um, with mechanics and your own personnel to, to drop the plows, get them welded back up. With the newer trucks, you just can't really weld on the plows the way you were with the older trucks. The uh, welding tends to burn up the computers on the truck, so you really have to separate everything from, uh, from the trucks nowadays. The comment about that I heard on the news was just the news media that the the ice was so thick it was damaging the trucks, but it, you didn't encounter anything abnormal then. Not as far as uh, damaging the not as far as damaging the trucks per se. We, you know, we had a couple incidents with the ice actually slabs sliding off of the tops of buildings and falling across some of our piping that would supply our trucks with the. Uh, um, salt, brine, and calcium, those those type of instances, one or two around the district, but not a whole lot of them. And then, of course, there were the power outages, which was definitely another challenge on top of everything else to take care of. Did some of your facilities lose power? Yeah, actually, a handful of our facilities lost power, uh, four, four that come to mind right now. And when that happened, when you have a uh, shift change of 50 or so people trying to get in and out, if you have 20 to 25 trucks staged at a location and you're trying to get that many people in and out without power, just, just to fuel them alone is very difficult because there's no power to fuel it. And you really can't jackrabbit those things in there. It's a, it's a nice thought when we all go through our emergency planning and maintenance. You know, what we'll, what we'll do if we have a power outage is we'll take a hand pump and throw it in there. But... When you start to look at the logistics of actually pumping uh, 25 trucks full of fuel by hand, it makes it more difficult. So actually, if you have the ability, which we did, we just mobilize those trucks to another facility that has power and pump the fuel from there. But when you do that, you've doubled the trucks, and then we ran out of fuel at some of our other locations. And uh, just welding, as I mentioned before, welding on trucks or repairing trucks, if you have no power, it really makes things difficult, even down to the to the tiny uh personal issues of is using the, the facilities when you have 50 people trying to go in and out and there's no power at a facility, you know, it just can make a, a logistical nightmare. Are you planning emergency generators? 
We have emergency generators, but the emergency generators are great. You know, the, you typically they're the small portable units that people typically bring out on the job site. Still run a few lights, things like that, but they not enough to power up an entire building. And unless you have a way to circumvent and meet code to to fire up the generators and supply your pumps, you're either going to supply your fuel pumps with uh, power, plus you need pumps to pump off your calcium or brine. In addition to that, when we dropped down to the single digits, we were worried about the heat going out of the building, so we had to find some way to heat the buildings up just so we wouldn't have water pipes bursting inside our facilities. So there's a lot of support help needed just to support the roads. What was the number of people that you heard that lost power here in this metropolitan area? I read on the Internet uh, 280,000. You heard anything different than that? That's around what that's what I had heard on the news. Somewhere around a quarter million people were out of power at uh, one particular time in the in the St. Louis area, so there were quite a few people without power, and which made another issue with with supporting people. Uh, I had to bring up extra crews to help out our area because we were fighting the storm, trying to burn through it. So I brought people up from our southern part of our, our actually our southern part of our district and southern districts. I went out of our regular. Uh, St. Louis area, and brought them up from the uh, Cape Girardeau area to help us out. Now, when I did that, I was looking for facilities to put them up at, put them up at hotels. But we couldn't put them up at the hotels because all the local residents who had lost power at their at their house were booking the hotels. So that made another problem to uh, try to find out, uh, try to get these people to a place to stay or get transportation. So then I had to make arrangements so we had van- plenty of vans to shuttle people back and forth and stage their equipment up here. Sounds like you were a pretty busy guy. It was it was a very busy few days out there, but uh, our guys did a great job. And we got the roads clear, cleaned up. Uh, when people looked out there, they could see the plow trucks uh, working on the roads, getting the roads clean, and they we had a very successful snow removal operation going on. But a lot of behind the si- behind the scenes operations going on that people just didn't realize were happening to keep those trucks moving. Kind of makes you look forward to just a good old regular snowfall, doesn't it? Absolutely. I'll take, I'll take a regular powdery snow any day over the ice and then snow, uh, snowfall any time. You said you used the tow plow. How did it work in that ice and sleet? And, or just, did you just remove the snow on top of the sleet with it? The tow plow worked well. As a matter of fact, we have two tow plows here in the St. Louis area, uh, one in the north, northern section of St. Louis and one in the western section of St. Louis area. Uh, they, worked, uh, they worked very well. As a matter of fact, the one on the uh, uh, in the West St. Louis County area of St. Louis was covering the 270 loop, and that actually goes around all of St. Louis. So they were keeping it on there. And at one time, we had so many trucks that were were either being repaired or going off to other ma- major routes, taking care of other major routes in the area. The tow plow was the only thing operating on 270 in that location for for quite a while. It does well at taking the snow off. Uh, nothing really does too well at taking off ice unless you have underbody plows. And some of our trucks that I brought up from the southern districts that are used to dealing with a lot of uh, ice storms had the underbody plows, which are able to put down pressure on there. And graders, of course, are great for the uh, ice also. But the tow plow did great at uh, removing the uh, snow itself. Uh, when it gets too burdened with too big of a uh, wind roll to try to push over, it actually starts to trail off a little bit. So it's really good and maneuverable for the operator to handle that with a joystick control in the cab. So I'd say it was a pretty good success overall with the with the tow plow. But it wouldn't be my main ice fighting tool, but definitely a main snow fighting tool. What kind of advice would you give to 
other transportation agencies when they get the forecast for rain, freezing rain, sleet, and then snow. Uh, just be prepared for that quick turnover. Uh, maybe uh, call over to the uh, adjoining areas that hook up to your area and find out what's happening on their particular roadways. Uh, if they have Internet sites, look at those Internet sites and make sure uh, that you know what's coming your way so you can prepare yourself and your people for it. And make sure you have plenty of support help out there, uh, mechanics uh, on standby 24 hours a day, uh, logistical people to help you, whether or not it's transporting people, firing up generators, getting heat into buildings, anything that could possibly go wrong, seem to go wrong in this storm. So just kind of prepare for those odd events that uh, that might come your way and, and hope it passes quickly. Or misses you completely, or misses right? misses you completely, exactly. When we talked earlier, you said that you're getting your traffic operations center more involved. Can you uh, tell us their involvement or how you're starting to get them involved in the uh, snow and ice game? Sure, we have a traffic management center uh, here in our, our district and that's staffed 24-7. They deal closely with the Highway Patrol and other agencies who might call in and request assistance. Now, not we're not always able to provide assistance immediately, but we know where those hot spots are from there. In addition to that, we have a lot of cameras in the area where we can see what's going on. We can tell which roads are going bad and able to call out people and let them know how the situation is going. And when people call into that 888-ASK-MODOT number, we can tell them it might be a good idea to stay home today uh, or avoid these roads, you know, just, just keep out of this particular area. They're getting more involved every day with the uh, traffic management and the snow operations. Of course, it is a day-to-day -day activity during just regular driving conditions, but when snow operations handle uh, come in, they're handling it more and more with uh, uh, dealing with the public through phone calls, website interaction, and with their uh, cameras, and even the media are hooking into those cameras and showing people what's going on outside. Our thanks to Owen for taking the time to speak with us. If you would like to get in touch with Owen, send me an email using the Contact Me button on the website or use our comment line at 206 309-0845 and I will forward your message or question to him. If you would like to share details of a storm with the winter maintenance community, send me an email or leave me a voice message at 206-309-0845. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons 2.5 license. Thanks for listening and my very best wishes to you and your family for a very safe and happy holiday season.